Well, again, if you haven't, turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. You know, in years past, I have preached on church membership and how it's God's will to identify with a local church. Now, I have to say this. It is true that you become a part of God's universal church, the worldwide body of believers upon faith in Christ, all right? But the New Testament assumes that you will join a local assembly because the majority of the epistles are instruction to local churches and how they are to operate and how they are to conduct themselves. In fact, I appreciate some words by Tom Rainer. And by the way, uh, he's written this little book, I Am a Church Member. And each one of you are going to be getting this book. Uh, over the last two to three years, we've been handing this book out to new members and having them read it. It's a very short read, maybe 75 pages. Um, and it's short. Uh, and it's not hard reading. It's very good and it's very encouraging. And really, it's about the attitude that makes a difference in the church. And so when you get that, probably next week, um, I would encourage you all to read it. I have read it more than once and find it to be a great blessing. But he says these words uh, later in his book. He says, The biblical option of church membership sees it as a gift. Something to be treasured. Indeed, it is a gift. It's a gift of God's grace. And I want you to keep that in mind as we look at what it says here in Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47. I want to read that portion of Scripture. I want you to see how these believers, upon being saved, considered church to be a great blessing. It was a gift to be a part of that local church. Starting in verse 41. So then, those that had received His word were baptized. And that day, there were added about 3,000 souls. Now, did you catch that phrase? Added to that local church, 3,000 souls. They were continuing daily, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles and all those who had believed were together and had all things in common and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God And having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Amen. May God add His blessing to the reading of His Word. As you can see, these people who became believers quickly joined themselves to the local church of Jerusalem. And they served as God had graced them, had gifted them. And they considered it a blessing to be a part of its community. That's clearly what is being said here. And so is that where your heart is at this morning? That you consider it a blessing to be a part of your church? Yeah, I would hope so. We should. These believers did. And upon God saving us by His grace, it is a gift of grace 
To be a part of His church. Not just the universal church. Oh, that's true. By faith in Jesus Christ. But a part of your local church. Now, the series of messages, which I'm beginning here this morning, is not about the importance of joining a church per se. But more about remaining committed to the church of which you are a member, unless it's absolutely necessary to leave. It's about having a biblical philosophy for leaving or staying in your church. I would imagine that there are many of you that have, that have never given thought to this. I mean, what is your philosophy when you think about staying with the church or with leaving a church? These are something that is important for you to consider, to think about. I've given great thought about it over the years. The elders have been talking about this for a couple of months, and they've asked me to just preach on this. And so we're going to spend probably the next you know, eight weeks or so uh, addressing this very matter. Now, I do want to be a little uh, transparent here this morning. I never get used to people leaving the church. Especially those who have been members for some time. I, I don't get used to it. it. It hurts. It really hurts. We're family. And I would imagine you hurt too. Again, why? Because we're family. You've grown to love one another and be involved in one another's lives. You've been an encouragement to one another. And so when folks leave, it hurts. I have to admit that maybe sometimes it's my own pride that gets offended. And I have to be careful of that. But I will say this. I have learned to live with the reality of it. Because it does happen. And I think what seems to settle my heart is the sovereignty of God. In the words of Jesus to Peter in Matthew 16 and verse 18, you know this, upon this rock, what? I will build my church. Yes, Christ builds His church. This is even affirmed by the memory verse I've asked you to memorize for this week. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 18. Paul there is speaking to the local church at Corinth there. And he's telling them that the God of the universe has placed members into their churches and has graced them to serve in particular ways. And this body that he puts together in the local church works together for God's glory. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 18. Memorize that. Yes, God is... Sovereign over all of this. He brings people into the church and there are times he directs people out of the church to other Bible-believing communities. And I would say this for sound biblical reasons. But are there times that people leave for no biblical reason? Oh, yeah. Yes, and their reasons, I would say, are not necessarily wrong. They're not sinful. Yet in many of those cases, I do question whether they're leaving is God's will or not. I do. Can I or the elders stop them? No, we can't. 
But I would say we would love to disciple their hearts and give them something to think about and maybe, Lord willing, change their mind. Let me give you a simple statistic of how things go down when people leave the church. And I said in the first service, this is not something I read from any book, okay? This is just my personal statistic. But I would say that it's very close uh, to what a lot of pastors would say. And uh, I've been in ministry in some form of leadership over about 45 years of time. And I've been here 19 years. And this statistic is close to being true. Listen to this. 50% leave without telling the leadership or anyone they are leaving. 50%. You don't see him in church one Sunday. Maybe the next Sunday you don't see him. About the third Sunday, I'm kind of wondering, hmm, I haven't seen these folks around. Maybe I need to check into them. Try to call them, email them. They won't return it. They're just leaving. 50%. 25% tell the leadership and others they're leaving, but they don't want to talk about it. So 75% of people that leave here you don't get a chance to visit with them about it. Wow. Then the remaining 25% tell the leadership and others they are leaving, and they will sit down and talk to you about it, but you're not going to change their mind. They've been thinking about it maybe for six months, a year, and so they've already determined in their heart that they're going to leave. And so when you talk with them, they're going to share their thoughts with you, but you're not going to change their mind. I have yet to do that. I've yet to change anybody's mind in all the years I've been in ministry. Whether here, whether at Grace Community Church in Southern California where I was a deacon, whether in the church I was at in Miles City, Montana, or in Great Falls, Montana, or in Shepherd, Montana. There are people that left. And I've never changed anyone's mind. That's sort of too bad because it, I believe, real, reveals an unteachable heart. And I will tell you, their leaving does negatively impact the church body. It does. The people who leave don't think about those things. That's why they're leaving. But if they really gave some careful consideration to it, yeah, that might change their mind. In fact, when people leave other churches to come to Bethel and are serious about joining our fellowship, we'll ask some questions. Maybe not all of these questions, but some of them. Why did you leave? Have you communicated this with the leadership there at your church? Have you resolved any conflicts that you might have? Do you mind if we contact the pastor of that church? Yeah. There have been a few times that we have instructed someone to go back to their church and square things with them before moving on. In fact, I remember saying to a few people over the years here who have told me why they were leaving, I've said, well, I would give some thought to that before leaving your church because I don't see any biblical reason for leaving. It's a Bible-believing church. It preaches the Word of God. Why not go back, and if there is something that's not right, settle it and continue serving there. 
Well, today I want to address the bad and good reasons for leaving a church. And I would say that likely you have heard many of these things before. And I'm only taking one week to discuss it because it's the negative aspect of the whole matter. In the weeks to follow, I'm going to be focusing on the positive, and that would be reasons for staying with your church. That's what I want to focus on, not this stuff. So first, what are some typical bad reasons for leaving a church? And I actually don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this because they don't edify. But I do share them with you for insight or to guard your hearts from thinking along these lines when you might get frustrated and bitter in your hearts. Will you become impatient as a member here? You bet. Will you get frustrated over things? Oh, yeah. You might even get bitter and start thinking along some of these lines because you want to just get out. I've had enough. You know, beloved, every church is in what we call a sanctifying process. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to be in a sanctifying process till Christ comes. And everybody in this church is at various levels in their sanctification. They're growing. And yes, manifestations of the flesh do come out. But we need to be patient with one another. We're growing, all right? And to be encouragement to one another. Rather than saying, enough is enough and I'm taking off. I'm going somewhere else. That's not God's will. And I'm going to divide these reasons into a couple of groups. First, the really poor reasons. Okay? The really poor reasons. And in no particular order here. Not enough programs. I've heard that before. Not enough programs. That is, the church doesn't have enough ministries to offer individuals Parents, families, children, young people, women's ministry, men's ministry, and the list goes on and on. There's just not enough programs. The people who give that kind of reason are coming to church to find out how the church can minister to them. How it can impact them rather than asking themselves, how can I make a difference in the church? Because God has graced every one of you who are true believers with spiritual gifts. And we're not to be just sitting in the pews doing nothing and just taking in and in and in. No, we're to be using those gifts by God's grace to minister to one another. And ultimately to do what? Glorify God. Because He's the one who's graced you. I also want to say that Any ministry requires resources, does it not? Yeah, in money and also in people. So if people are leaving elsewhere (laughs) because there's not enough programs, there's not going to be any programs because it takes people to function in that way. So that's one poor reason. Not enough programs. How about the music style? Yeah. Conservative. Contemporary. Associated with certain musical instruments. All right. I said this in the first service. I I think you know this. I came from a church that was very, very 
very conservative in music. All right? We had hymns, and we had the piano, and we had the organ. That's what we thought church was. And uh, very rarely did we have a, someone strumming a guitar or maybe playing a flute or a trumpet. And I said this in the first service, we didn't have that. We didn't have drums, okay? No, that was worldly. Couldn't have that. You know, in a church this size, there are lots of tastes when it comes to music. There is. How do you balance all of that? I even asked that of Matt in the first service. How do you balance all of that? That's difficult. That's hard. But what is really important here when it comes to music, huh? Does it worship God? Does it worship God? If it does, then let's sing from our hearts. I mean, David danced before the Lord. Ooh, danced. Yeah. And worshiped to God over the Ark of the Covenant. In fact, I've written a philosophy of music based on the Old Testament. You wouldn't believe all the instruments that were used there. But it's always to glorify God. But the music style, if you sing hymns, I'm okay with it. But if it gets a little contemporary, that's worldly, I'm leaving. Don't let that be you. It's about worshiping God. How about the preaching style? That's another one. The preaching style. I gave an example this morning of two styles of preaching. You have out there a good preacher in John Piper. And then you have a good preacher in John MacArthur. Now, their styles are completely opposite. I mean, you've got this flamboyant man in John Piper preaching from his heart and soul with all of the emotions. And he's got his hands and arms waving all over the place. And he's walking in different places. And then you've got John MacArthur who's set in stone. Kind of like me a little bit here. You know, not moving around that much. But again, it comes down to what? Are they preaching the word of God? Yes. Style is not what matters, but there are people who will leave a church over that. That's a poor reason. Let me give you a fourth one. Too time demanding. You mean your church service is about an hour and a half long? Are you kidding me? I was talking to an individual not too long ago about this very matter. Within the last year. And they were just asking me a little bit about the services here. And I said, yeah, we have a, a, a service first hour and second hour. It's a repeat. And then afterwards, there's Sunday school for about an hour over here. And then maybe for another half hour, there's fellowship. You mean you folks are here for three hours on Sunday morning? Yeah. We don't even have an evening service. And yet there are churches who do. Or midweek Bible study and prayer time, which we do. We have new community groups as well. We have youth programs going on. But there are some people who say, that's just too much. That's too demanding. Really? Well, you're out there in the world six days a week. So when you get here, I really want your attention. <laughs> your hearts need to be fed with God's Word. So that you know how to handle all that you are faced with during the week and the trials and the tribulations that you are going to encounter. Too time demanding? No, we need more time. <laughs> Number five, the decor of the church. Oh, man. 
You know, carpet, no carpet, the color of the carpet, the painting. How about pews and chairs? Yeah. Just so that you know, I said this in the first service. When we went from pews to chairs here, oh my. There was a lot of talk about that. Why is that? Because we've been in church for so long and we've been associated with with pews that we think that being in church is having pews. And that to get away from that is worldly. We're going in the wrong direction. The decor of the church. And you know, it all depends on money that is available. And really where the money should go. How about a ministry rather than the decor? I mean, if the building is cared for. I gave this example in the first service. When Pastor Brian and myself went to Russia, um, we were there in Cabernet, Bulgaria, and it's a little bit out there in the woods, okay? None of the churches have modern plumbing. None of them do. And they're old churches. And so when you're ministering there, okay, if you're downwind, yeah, they've got outhouses out there, and you get to smell all of that while you are ministering. It's ripe, let me tell you. Very ripe. And I know that they're concerned about that a little bit. And I can remember one pastor coming up and saying, you know, we as a church had been saving money for years so that we could modernize our plumbing and um, have bathrooms indoors and close that outside. But there was a church that was very needy down the road. And so we took our money to help them build up their ministry. Hmm. Yeah. So guess what? Those people have to get used to the smell. That's all. <laughs> and you do. Really, what matters? It's ministry. Yeah. Certain traditions have stopped. That's another one. Well, you do things. Here's one that you may have not thought about, but in the last five years, three times, this has been used as a reason. Physical family leaving. In other words, a family joins a church. They're there for years. Their kids grow up, okay, within the church. And then all of a sudden, they graduate from high school, they go out to school, college, whatever it may be, and then they come home and maybe they find someone they're interested in. And they get married. And lo and behold, they don't come to the church in which they grew up in. That husband and wife are coming together and they're deciding where they want to go and serve. Parents say to themselves, wow, well, I want to be with my children. So they'll get up from a church that they've been a part of for years just to be with their children or to be with their grandchildren. Really? People who have given that excuse to me, that reason to me, I've said to them, well, you can see your children all week long. You can see your grandkids all week long and minister to them. Why do you have to leave a church over that? And as I said at the very beginning, this negatively impacts the church. Now let's turn to a few reasonably poor reasons. I'm just going to give you three here. 
some reasonably poor reasons. These are ones that people most often give that they think are, are reasonable. How about the decisions of leadership? Yeah. They are not sinful or wrong, but they usually disagree with them. Let me just say here at this church, we, when we make decisions, especially important ones, we may be thinking about them for months. We bring it up. We pray about it. We pray together and apart. We look at what the scriptures have to say. And we're thinking of all sorts of things, all right, that comes into making a decision. And then when we bring it to you, you don't always know all the aspects that went into that. But a decision has been made. But there are people who will leave because of the decisions of leadership. And let me just read this passage of Scripture to you. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Keep that in mind. Here's another reasonably poor reason. Being hurt by church members. Being hurt. The church is unloving. It's judgmental. Well, the instruction of the Bible is to do what in those cases? To be reconciled and restored, right? Nowhere in Scripture do you see, well, if you, if someone treats you unlovingly in the church, without kindness, they're mean to you in some form or another, there's no instruction in God's Word that says, well, you know what, that's a good reason, leave the church. No, the instruction that is given is to reconcile. And to be restored. Yeah. That pleases God. Why? Because that's the living out of the gospel. Listen to these words. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Ephesians 4 and verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Yeah. That's living out the gospel. Have you hurt God? Hmm? You bet you have. Far more than any person has ever hurt you. Does God leave you? No. He seeks to be reconciled and restored with you. And so a living out of the gospel is just as he has forgiven us. We're to forgive others, right? Yeah, that's the instruction. And then there's one other one here. And this one is used quite a bit. It's weakness in ministry. For example, oh, they're weak in, in their worship and their music uh, and discipleship of some form, evangelism. I'll just tell you, every church has weaknesses. Absolutely. Even us as elders see those weaknesses. We do. And we'll talk about them and we'll say, okay, for, for the next year, this is what our focus is going to be on. And what's interesting is that when you focus on that, something else gets neglected a little bit. And then you become weak in that area. <laughs> it, it, it just happens. Okay? So every church has weaknesses of some sort. If you go to another church, you might go there and say, well, this church is stronger than the one that I'm coming from. Okay, that might be true. But you'll find later that they may have some strengths, that, uh, that we have strengths in the former church that this church does not have, huh? 
Keep that in mind. One of the responses I give to people who tell me that is, how are you serving in these areas of weakness? They'll tell you they're leaving because of that, but then I will say to them, how are you serving in those areas? Many of them aren't serving. And one of the things that they'll say, well, is I've had to focus on my family. Uh, in this season of life with my children and my wife, uh, there may come a time when I'll be able to be more active. Okay, I, I get that. Uh, th- that does happen. But be careful about using that excuse, that reason. Because there are other people in the church who may be in that same season of life. And so therefore, you can't be as strong in some of those areas that you'd like to because why? Ministry takes resources, not just money. It takes people. And if people are leaving over weaknesses, you're not going to have people to do ministry. Here's what Peter Masters had to say on this matter, this area of weakness. And by the way, uh, Peter Masters is the pastor of the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London. You might be familiar with that church. That's where Spurgeon was a pastor. And they've had a great line of great pastors over the years. Well, when Pastor Brian and I were coming back from Russia, we stopped over in London one year, and we went to... uh, uh, the Metropolitan Tabernacle, just to be a part of that service. And we got to hear Peter Masters preach. But in the foyer there, they had this little booklet, Church Membership in the Bible. Caught my attention because every pastor deals with all of this. And I ended up reading it on the way home, a good portion of it, and finished up when I uh, got home. And then I've had opportunities over the years and even in the last couple of weeks to just rehearse some of the things that he has said in there. But he wrote this. Every pastor has experience of members who have moved away from their fellowship because they have done or have had done some besetting weakness that they could not control. Their spiritual life suffered. They became unhappy and eventually decided that the fault was not in them but in the church. They began to sulk and complain and soon became convinced that they were not receiving spiritual food help, or fellowship. Eventually, they left the church, but not because the Lord had led them. A high and worthy view of the local church may have helped them not to turn against their church, but they did not have such a view, and the church soon became a punch bag for the release of tensions and dissatisfaction. Beloved, in all these poor reasons that I just shared with you, what do you notice? Put your thinking cap on. What do you notice in all of these poor reasons? Is it about God? Uh Uh-uh. It's not about God. It's about me. It's not about others. It's about me. That's what it's about. So often we approach church as, what can it do for me? And if it's not doing for me what I want, then I'm going to pack up my bags and I'm going to leave. That's not how we should approach church. Church is about God, first and foremost, and worshiping Him. When your mind and heart is focused on that, you don't have time for other things. (laughs) And being distracted by the hurts and the weaknesses and all these things that are in the church body. The devil wants to use those things to distract you and lead you elsewhere. Be careful of that. 
In fact, Rayner said the same thing in his book, I Am a Church Member. He says, in almost every behavior above, and by the way, in that little book, he gives about ten reasons, poor reasons for leaving the church. (laughs) And um, they're not the same as the one I gave. He says, in almost every behavior, church members were looking out for their own needs and preferences. I want the music my way. I want the building my way. I am upset because the pastor didn't visit me. I don't want to change anything in my church. You get the picture. I, me, myself. Church membership from a biblical perspective is God first. And then it's about servanthood. It's about giving. It's about putting others first. Well, that said, let's just turn to some good reasons for leaving a church. Let's make a transition here. And I just ask for your patience as we look at some of these things. And again, I believe you've heard some of these things before, but it's good to be reminded of these matters because you may start thinking about leaving your church. What are some good reasons? These are biblical reasons. This is where we should go. One, you're physically moving out of town. (laughs) Okay, Yeah, that's an easy one. You could be going to school. It may be with regards to a job. You're leaving out of town. But in doing so, let me give you this wisdom. Make sure it's God's will. Yeah. And that you have another Bible-believing church of which to be a part of when you leave here, no matter where you're going. Talk to the elders about these matters. Let them give you wisdom and direction. Physically moving out of town. Romans 16 comes to my mind as I think about this. Paul, in that passage of Scripture, is giving recommendations to various individuals who were in ministry with him, but they left where he was at to go to Rome. And so he's commending these individuals to that church there. He's telling them about them. Now, you can read Romans 16 real quick and not even think about that, but that's important. So the leadership is involved in this whole process. We want to help you find a good Bible-believing church when you leave here for school or for a job or whatever it may be, and you're going out of town. Here's another good reason. You're called to ministry. You're called to ministry, and this could be to a full-time ministry as a pastor, as a missionary. Or maybe to help with a church plant. Yeah. Maybe even strengthening a small church that is barely surviving. You know of one. It's just barely hanging on. Maybe you've been talking to some other believers about this matter. And say, you know, if we could get some of us together, maybe we can step into this situation and be a help. And serve our Lord and strengthen this Body rather than seeing it go under. I mean, a good Bible-believing church. Why let it go by the way? Again, talk with your pastors. Certainly they want to be of help to you as you think through this. One of my favorite passages is what we find in Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. Starting with verse 24. But the word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem where they had fulfilled their mission, taking along with them John, who was also called Mark. Now there were at Antioch in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen, 
who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and said, and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Yeah. As leadership in the church, we would want to lay our hands, so to speak, on you and commend you to that work in strengthening other churches or to the ministry that God has called you to and to help you walk through that, seeking God's counsel. Here's another reason. Is the pastor and the rest of the elders are not preaching and teaching the Word of God, the Bible, or very little. Yeah, that's to me, that is the primary reason. If you find that the church of which you have been a part is not preaching the Word of God on a regular basis, but doing something else, well, that's a reason for leaving. In Acts 20, look with me at Acts 20 for a moment. I love this chapter because Paul here is on his last missionary journey, his third one, going back to Antioch, and he stops over on the island of Miletus, and he calls for the elders of the church at Ephesus to come and to be with him. And he's going to give them some some instruction. I would encourage you to read Acts 20. If you want to see what church is all about, what its importance is, and how important it is, or what is important, read Acts 20. But you'll find here in verses 17 to 21 these words. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. How about 2 Timothy 4, 1-4? I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and they will turn away from their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. This is the instruction that Paul gave Timothy, okay? Not only the elders of Miletus, but also Timothy. What's important? Here Paul was about ready to die, and he's giving some instruction as to what's really important with regards to the church. Be careful, Timothy, that you preach the word. That's what is important. And so if a church is not, yeah, that may be a good reason for leaving. Here's another one. There is false teaching being promoted and accommodated, that which does not follow the Bible. And, of course, I think this happens when there is very little preaching and teaching of God's Word, what we just talked about. In fact, in Acts 20, 29 to 31, Paul said again, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves men will arise. Speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one of you with tears. Romans 16, 17 and 18. 
Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you have learned, and turn away from them, for such men are slaves, not of our Lord Jesus Christ, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. You see, if you're not preaching God's word on a regular basis, yeah, you can get distracted by all sorts of things out there in the world. And false teaching, you got to be careful. And so that's why we spend so much time, and that's why we focus and speak so much about preaching God's Word. I don't mind spending a whole lot of time on this, because it prepares your heart for being out there in the world the other six days of the week. Yeah, you've got to be protected. Number five, there's another reason. There's unqualified leadership men who are in positions of deacons and elders who clearly shouldn't be. Based upon 1 Timothy 3, 1 to 13, how about Titus 1, 5 to 9? You know those passages of Scripture. What is the biblical axiom? As leadership goes, what? So goes the church. It does. That's why you can be praying for us. As pastors and elders in the church, please. Here's another one. There's no shepherding of the flock of God. These last three that I spoke, yeah, that, they, they all go together. There's no shepherding of the flock of God. As people are left to themselves without spiritual guidance, without spiritual protection. And Paul spoke to this in Acts 20 and verse 28. He also illustrated it in 1 Thessalonians 2. 1 to 12. If there's one passage of Scripture, and I think I've mentioned this to you before, that really ministers to my heart as a pastor, really, it it, it convicts me. It's 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 to 12. Every time I read it, I'm convicted. I'm asking the Lord to help me be the man, the shepherd that is described there. Paul spoke of himself and other men who were working with him and how they ministered to the flock of God. Folks, I'm often asked, you know, Pastor, how, how can we pray for you? Well, read First, Tim, uh, First Thessalonians 2, 1 to 12, and pray that on my behalf. <laughs> yeah, that I'll be the shepherd, the under-shepherd of the great shepherd that I should be. First Peter 5, 2 to 4, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, and not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God. God's will is His word, and not for sordid gain, not for money, but with eagerness, nor yet is lording it over those allotted to your charge. Oh yes, I want to be careful of that. But proving to be examples to the flock, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Here's another one, another good reason maybe to leave the church. There's no practicing of church discipline. Yeah, church discipline. In other words, there's sin in the body of Christ. And it's permitted. It's never addressed. You know, Jesus commanded this, did he not? Yeah, you bet. In Matthew 18, 15, 18, and and really his words that he gave are gracious words. You know, when we think of church discipline, we're thinking of something that's negative. But really, it's a positive thing. And the way that Jesus describes it there is in a very gracious way. 
when you are dealing with individuals. First, it's one-on-one. And it may stop there. In fact, most cases stop right there because God's people know what they should be doing. But if it doesn't, then yeah, you may have to take two or three others. And if that doesn't work, if there's no repentance, well, then you may have to bring it before the church. And if there's no repentance, then yeah, they may have to be dismissed. Now, that's, that's the way. The Apostle Paul called for it in 1 Corinthians 5. Remember, in that passage of Scripture, the church at Corinth was allowing sin in the body. It was manifested with a young man that was having physical relations with his father's wife. And the church wasn't doing anything about it. And Paul is saying, hey, you've got to confront this guy. And if he does not repent, you've got to remove him from the church. In fact, there's even instruction for leadership in First Timothy chapter 5, verses 19 to 20. So it's, it's in the scriptures. It's there. And the reason for this is because God is concerned for what? He's concerned for the purity of his church and the restoration of his people. Yeah, that's what he's concerned about. Well, finally, I give one other good reason for leaving a church, and that is to keep from being divisive. To keep from being divisive. Each church has a statement of faith, and you may disagree with its second and third line doctrines, okay? Hopefully not the first line doctrines, because we're talking about God, sin, salvation, okay? Those are all first line doctrines, We start talking about second-line doctrines. We're talking maybe about the return of Christ, those kind of things, the millennial reign of Christ, those areas of eschatology. There may be some differences in thinking on the church. Okay? So, yeah, there's going to be things that maybe you disagree with. Well, if you believe that you cannot attend and minister in the church without quarreling over these matters then it might be best for you to leave so that you're not causing dissension and creating bitterness among the flock. I would also say that if you purpose to promote these beliefs and continue to argue for them, you'll be asked to leave. We have wisdom from Proverbs 17 and verse 14, uh, Romans 16, 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10. In fact, listen to these words in Titus. It's pretty, pretty... Straightforward there, Titus 3, verses 10 and 11, where it says this, Reject a factious man after a first and second warning, knowing that such a man is perverted and is sinning, being self-condemned. Now, I've just given you some good reasons for maybe leaving a church. But let's let me say this up front. When you're considering this, talk with the leadership about it. Either for wisdom in directing your own hearts, but maybe for even helping them change what is clearly wrong in the church. Yeah. God may have placed you in a particular church, and at first you didn't see anything, but then you start to see a number of things, and it's concerning. And you know what the Bible says. Well, it's God's will for you to go to the leadership and just talk with them about it. Now, you may have a wrong perspective on things, but still, you want to talk with them. And if indeed it's there, maybe it gives the leadership something to think about, okay? And to change by God's grace. And then not leave. Stay at the church where you're going. Yeah. 
Beloved, there are many reasons that people give I, to leave it more than what I gave you this morning. As I said earlier, the focus of this series is not on the good and bad reasons. That's the negative aspect. I wanted to kind of get that out of the way this week. I want to focus on the positive. Reasons for staying with your church. Please be praying about that in the weeks ahead as you think about it. Let's get our mind and heart focused on what the Bible has to say about the church, the local church, and getting your mind and heart there. Peter Masters said in church membership, he said, Let us recognize that when the Lord sets us in a sound church, it is a divine appointment, and we must honor and respect that with all of our strength. We are not free agents and should never be moved by whims. When it is God's time to move us elsewhere, we must be fully and sincerely satisfied that He is really directing and overruling. In other words, that it's God's will. How do we know God's will? By the word. The Bible says a lot about church membership. It does. And when you get your heart focused on there and run your heart through the grid of God's word and follow that, then likely, more often than not, you're going to remain where you should in the church of which you are a member. You know, just in the last couple of weeks, um, I've been earshot of a number of folks in our church. Some of them are our staff. Others are just after church as you're visiting. And I hear things, okay? <laughs> and uh, it's been a blessing to hear a number of people say, oh, it's so good to be here at Bethel. Be a part of this church. This is my family. I'm committed here. I don't want to go anywhere else. God placed me here. You're, I'm hearing all of these phrases. And as a pastor, I just, yeah, it just breaks me down a little bit. I'm encouraged by that. Both my wife and I, you know, we love this church. I've been here for 19 years and there's coming a time when, yeah, I'm going to be retiring from the pulpit and somebody else will step in here. Are we going to leave here? No. We're going to stay right here as long as it gives us life and strength so we can serve and minister to God's people, the very family that we've been associated with for years. We want to remain faithful here because I know for sure this is where God sovereignly has placed us. And it's been affirmed by what God's word says. And that's what I'm following. May that be your heart. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time this morning. Thank you for the patience of your people. They've heard a lot but help them to run their hearts through the grid of your word and to be faithful to you, O God. And uh, help us all, Lord, to just worship you even in this matter for the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.